Welcome, everybody. This is a new podcast we call The Way. The Way was actually the original name for the church uh, in ancient days before we assumed the name Christian. And I thought it would be good to get back to the heart of the matter. I heard recently someone talking about what would we do if we didn't have the Bible in our hands? What would we do if we weren't able to actually read it? And I thought, well, you know, for 1,500 years, we just kind of heard the word. And now we're at a point in history where we actually do a great amount of listening and broadcasting and sharing. And that's exactly my point here. I want to get out the word to as many people as possible. I want to make sure that we get through the whole Bible, uh, not just little bits of it here and there, the little different selections you hear at church now and then, because it's typically the same three years of information cycled over and over. Even through that, you only get roughly about a quarter to a third of the Bible uh, through the lectionary selections or the, uh, the regular scheduled processes for sermons that you would hear. So my hope for the way is to not only read the Bible to you, but have you read it with me. Not just to, to listen to it or hear it one time, but to actually understand and be able to process. Now, part of my process in doing that is not just to have myself, I'm Ben LaGrange, by the way, but also to have a co-host with me every week. And I want to have a cycle or rotation of, of people that will come in, read with me, and discuss the actual Bible. So we're going to have dueling podcasts here. We're going to have The Way, which will be the part where we read the scripture, uh, talk about the scripture and what that means. And then we'll have a secondary one called The Other Way. It'll be equal in length, where we actually talk about uh, the secondary issues. I uh, want to make sure that we address those things as well, because a lot of times we have people that will just read the Bible, and to be honest, it's kind of confusing in itself. So here we're going to start on the book of Mark. It's the first gospel that was ever written. And today as my co-host, I have Drew Spidell. Hi, Drew. Hey, what's up? Uh, Drew, we met a long time ago. How long ago was uh, would have been my end of my sophomore year of high school, I think. So that was gotta do some math. Now you're at least eighty seven, right? Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I'm actually I'm twenty four, just turned twenty four in October. So I'm out of college now, work working a job, that kind of fun stuff. So we've known each other for almost eight years now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why don't we just ride up and say ten? Yeah, let's just say ten. But I like ten. Let's let's call it a decade. Yeah, it's a good number. Yeah. You've been part of our family. You've been, uh, you hang out with my kids. You hang out at the house. Yeah, your kids are awesome, by the way. Well, you know. I mean, in their own way. Like, like your son just runs around like crazy. Love him for that. But your daughter's kind of like, leave me alone. But secretly, she likes the she'll, children. She'll grow out of that. She'll grow know. out of that, yeah. 13 is a thing, right? <laughs> so Drew was actually part of my, uh, part of the youth group uh, that I was involved with. Um uh, We'll call it a decade ago now. <laughs> and, close uh, enough. Close enough. And we were also in a small group Bible study together as well, where we actually had a number of guys that would actually get together, read the Bible every week, and we actually taught them how to teach. Uh, so that way the senior class would actually teach the Bible study. Uh, the lower classmen would look up to them, and the middle school guys would actually look up to the high school guys. And uh, meanwhile, myself and two other guys helped facilitate and, uh, and run the group, which is a great thing. And now we've got a great level of leadership 
um, out of these guys we've got, Drew, who actually helps in the same youth group now. Yeah, we've rebranded, we've rebranded since then, but it's out of the same church. Yeah, out of the same church. And uh, <laughs> on top of that, we've got ooh, probably seven or eight military guys that are uh, oh, yeah, yeah. military leaders. And then we've got a few others in different levels of leadership. We've even got a guy in Japan teaching English as a second language. Yeah, it was, that was pretty cool when I heard of that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> he even worked as a model. <laughs> he did, yeah. That was quite hilarious. It was like, this is not the guy that works as a model. Hey, Alex, we love you out there, buddy. So the point is, uh, we went through the process of teaching and understanding why are we in the Bible? What are we doing here? Now, there's actually three spots in the Bible where it starts with the beginning. Or the phrase, you know, in the beginning. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So... We have, of course, Genesis, where yeah, in, it, the in the beginning was the uh, sorry, I almost put John there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right, and then of course we have the Gospel of John. Yeah, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with Him in the beginning. Right. Thank you, Miss Carol, at the at the West Side Assembly of God for teaching me that when I was seven, and thank you for Drew for making a flow chart of who Jesus is out of that first chapter of John. It wasn't a very good flow chart, but I, it was rudimentary at best, but I think it helped explain it a little bit. But for people who love logic, get a hold of us. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> Wait, we have show notes now? <laughs> we, we are having show notes, yes. All right, sure. All right. So uh, the other place we would start is in Mark chapter 1. I'll actually just start out by reading, and then when we hit a spot where it just hits us, we're just going to stop, and we're going to talk about it for a minute. So we apologize in advance for anybody who likes to go through the entire thing. We're going to stop frequently. Yeah. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Wait, who's that? Oh, my. Don't you know about Isaiah? I mean, he shows up a lot in uh, different New Testament books because it's actually a book in the Old Testament, also named for the prophet of the same name. Yeah. Well, Isaiah actually is a pretty long and hefty book, a lot of prophecy about what's to come. A lot of A prophecy. lot. So, so we'll let you know that there are sections of this chapter that will actually be pulled out from Isaiah the prophet. Uh, in fact, from here, we're looking in Isaiah 40 specifically. Um, but we'll, we'll come back to those shortly. But just to let you know, hey, this is a book that speaks to itself. This is something to say, hey, we are fulfilling something right now that we talked about hundreds of years ago. So we know this is a lead up to, not just a simple thing in and of itself. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send you my messenger to prepare you a way, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare a way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And John came baptizing in the desert region, preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and honey. Let me just tell you, this guy was at the front of fashion. Avant-garde at the best. Oh, yeah, totally. We we have our first hipster. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize to you, John. We'll uh, we'll talk about that in, in heaven. I've probably said many disparaging comments about eating bugs, but I hope it was good for you. I know. They're a good source of protein. No, <laughs> no seriously. We're, we're uh, starting to think of replacing some of our protein food with insects. In case you wonder. Oh, my. 
Bugs are so ain't green. <laughs> no, that that's people. We know that. Oh yeah, never mind. Terrible movie. Terrible movie. And this was oh, his spoiler message. Alert, by the way, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, and the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's stop there for a second. So yeah. we've got, uh, you know, this guy, this dude Mark, who's right, writing this gospel for us, and he starts off t- talking about, you know, quoting from uh, Isaiah the Pro- Isaiah the prophet, which came yeah. hundreds of years before this, and then we talk about this dude named John appearing, which links the two, right? So th- this messenger that's uh, preparing the, the way of the Lord, uh, making sure his paths, this is John the, John the baptizer, right? Right, that's John the baptizer. Yeah, yeah. or Baptist, but we, we don't say that because there's actually a denomination called the Baptists, and that just is an entire rabbit hole we don't want to go down right now. And I'm pretty sure that wasn't his last name either. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't know what his last name was, but also the cousin of Jesus, we learned that in John. Yeah. We'll, we'll learn that uh, through other Gospels as well, and we'll learn that further down the road. So with what we're looking at here, let's talk about baptism for a minute. Okay? So baptism has existed for centuries before this. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So one of these things, it's actually an illusion, A-L-L-U-S-I-O-N. And I spelled that wrong, didn't I? No, illusion, A-L, you're alluding to something. It's not in, in, an illusion where it's like, oh, right. it, yeah. So it's a sign that points to something yes. real, right? It, so you've got a sign pointing Chicago 280 miles this way. That sign is not Chicago, but it's showing something else. It's pointing toward Chicago. Well, baptism is kind of like that. Um, there was actually a physical cleansing. Now, let me just tell you... I don't know about you guys, but I love to work out. I like, I love breaking a sweat. I love, you know, running around and splashing around in the mud like mud runs. Those are great, right? You, you get filthy, dirty, you throw mud balls at each other. It's crazy. He's a little weird like that. I'm a little weird like that, right? You know. But we, so, so are we all. Anyway. So when you're, when you're worn out and you're torn up and you're, you're sweating and you're grungy, there's nothing better than a hot shower, right? Oh, I'll agree with that, yeah. Yeah, so you actually feel like there's a sense of, ah, I'm clean, right? Ah, yes, cleanliness. Something cleanliness. Men, something men typically aren't known for. No, not typically. We like the we like the dirt, but, you know, hey, we also, I think we, we've got the best with simple orange, you know? That gritty orange soap, I love that stuff. Uh, that sounds awesome. That stuff is awesome. Lava soap, oh. So the thing is, we actually like the feeling of clean. And that's a pretty cool deal in itself. Uh, what we're talking about with baptism, it is an actual sign when someone gets physically cleansed, it's also an understanding of, Hey, it's not just, I'm taking a bath and Hey, my body's cleansed and I don't smell as funky as I used to a few minutes ago, but please, please bathe by the way, please bathe. (laughs) That's a good thing. So one of the things we're looking at here is there's also a sense of spiritual cleanliness because you don't just jump into the water and that's it. What it is, is it's a sense of spiritual cleanliness. Because when you do this, you're saying, God, I am not worthy to come before you looking the way I do and smelling the way I do. (laughs) Right? That's essentially it. And you're saying, I want to ready myself to be before you. Yeah. And that's originally what the cleansing was. I mean, even Isaiah, you know, the, the guy being quoted, had a moment like this where he goes into the temple and he... He sees God, and God's like, hey, you're going to be a prophet. He's like, dude, I'm not even 
close to being good good at that. I my mouth my my words aren't clean, and an angel touch, touches a hot coal to his lips and says, "See, I made you clean." Yeah, it, it's that kind of idea. He burned the dirt off. Uh, that one hurt. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it did. Yes. I'm sure it did. See, that that's one of those uh, things that I I, uh, I really identify with because honestly, you know. Uh, I'm just going to tell everybody a secret out there. Uh, your pastors, you get this great idea of who they are, what they do. Uh, and, and to be fair, some of us have foul mouths, bad attitudes, and other problems along the way. Uh, the worst of what I have, I think, is my foul mouth. <laughs> and uh, it, it flies and it shouldn't. But I'm a man of unclean lips. It's simply that. So when we start looking at this, this idea of removing the filth from us, removing the filth. And we're talking about baptizing for the forgiveness of sins, right? You're saying, God, cleanse me, connect me, and go forward, right? This is saying your way is better than my way, and I'm going to wash myself, take all the dirt out, and I'm going to come and start over clean. And that's what this whole thing is about. But John is saying, hey, I'm not the guy that forgives, but he's coming. I'm just preparing the way. Right. I'm just, I'm just making you ready for that. And he says... You think of how low this is. Now, personally, I I go over internationally and I, I spend some time overseas. And one of the things that I've always found to be fruitful is the washing of feet. Now, I do it because Jesus did it. But most of us don't want to do it just because it's a rough job. Well, feet are also kind of nasty, let's be honest. Yeah. God did us a great favor by putting I mean, our nose for, up here and our feet down for, there. For all you ladies and your guys, that, that, and you guys that also do this, uh, there's a reason you pay somebody to give you a pedicure. <laughs> That's true. Let's put it That's that true. way. It's why, you pedi- it's why you pay your podiatrist, the guy who takes care of your feet. Yeah, no one really wants to touch those. Right, right. That's why you cost so much. So <laughs> John says, hey, it's, it's not that uh, I wouldn't. It's that I'm not even worthy to do that. I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes. He says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, hey, look, I'm cleaning the outside, but God's going to send you the Holy Spirit. What actually comes in and convicts you personally and cleans the inside. He cleans, cleans house. That's really what it's about. And that conviction is not for condemnation, but for correction. You know, it's like, hey, 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 that's wrong. Fix it. I remember uh, some of my teachers, even in seminary, that would actually go through and they would they would circle stuff on there and they would red underline it, right? And it was like, it was a, hey, you got it right, but please fix this spelling. I'm terrible at spelling, right? Well, so they would go, English, hey. English is like that. Spelling is hard. English? Greek. <laughs> Everything. I don't, I don't know. Have you seen the way we spell some of our words? Like, right. Why does baloney, why is it pronounced that way? Oh. Or... Colonel. I'm sorry. Col- yeah. Anyway, whatever. I don't GNA. <laughs> so when we look at this, there's, there's that cleansing physically and a cleansing spiritually is what we're looking for. So even now when we actually deal in, in physical baptisms in church, when we do this, it's not a saving grace. It's not one of those things that, hey, I hit the water and I'm fireproof now. Really what it is is a cleansing of the body and a cleansing of the soul. It's saying, hey, I'm setting myself right before you, God. I want to be cleaned up. Now, a whole lot of you, you know, we don't really get this thing with church anymore because I'm a guy that shows up in jeans. I get it, you know. But we used to have this idea that the outside had to be as clean as the inside or maybe even more clean than the outside. We, We treated church like going on a date, you know. 
you get out your finest cologne, you get your three-piece suit, your, you know, your biggest Sunday hat, whatever it takes, and then you go out as fancy as it can be. But we really understand what it is, is trying to come clean on the inside, even if our outside doesn't match. So that's what he's talking about here. And he well, says that yeah, that, I, was, I also want to add that uh, when you get baptized in church, it isn't just it is all the things that Ben just said, but it's also um, what we'd call a sacrament. Essentially, it's something you. It isn't something you're doing by yourself. By, you know, by yourself, you're also doing it in front of the church body. Basically, a bunch of people who also are making this decision are wanting to live for Christ. Yeah, and you're going, hey, I've been changed by by Christ. I too want to live for Him. Absolutely, Drew. So in, in some sense, it's not just uh, the cleansing for God and, and yourself, but it's also an adoption into that church family in many ways. Yeah. So there's different denominations that look at it different ways. So if your denomination is there, please, uh, please know that we understand that there's more than one way to consider this. Um, but basically what we're looking at, there's, there's an adoption. It's almost like a, a debutante ball. For Christians, it's I'm coming out as a Christian. That hey, I'm this. This is who I am now. So that's a very important thing that we deal with in the church. Let's actually, Drew. Could you re- do me a favor and read verses nine through eleven? Yeah, I got this. Um, so in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of, Ga- of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven: "You are my beloved Son." With you, I am well pleased. Wow, that's there's a lot there. Now, that, that could be hours in itself of discussion, but simply put, Jesus was baptized. Now, Wait. now here's the thing. Why, did, why again was it we were doing baptism? I thought, I mean, I thought the reason you're doing baptism is because it's all about cleaning the inside. Oh, you're right, right. So, but, but isn't Jesus God, though? Yeah, and he's without sin, though, right? So why did he get baptized? Oh, well, here's two things to think about. Number one, I want you to stop thinking about the River Jordan and the baptism that happened there. Let's actually take just a minute and think about the cross. Okay. Is it possible that baptism was the first time that Jesus took upon our sins? Could have been, yeah. So there's there's several things. He there's a consideration, and some schools of thought are just simply that he's doing it as an example. Hey, I'm doing this so you can follow after me and do this, right? He makes disciples. I mean, it's it, it that's that is a valid point. Yes. That is a valid point in itself. But Jesus doesn't have any sin to cleanse. But Jesus can take on our sins and be cleansed of them. See, there's two points to to this that I want to I want to really consider and really kind of scratch this out a bit. Now, this may be confusing to some, and it may be a little bit much for others. So, uh, I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible. There's something to consider with baptism that I like to call flow. Okay, it stands for for the life of the world, right? So, there's there's two kinds of consideration here, right? There's here and now, and what is to come. There's now and not quite yet, which is one of those things we get a feeling of throughout the book of Mark is now and not quite yet. 
And this is one of those things we need to consider. I'm being made a new creation. I'm being cleansed of my sins here and now through that baptism. And I'm taking on the Holy Spirits to help me and correct me, mold me and move me going forward. But there's also another consideration of what's going to happen in that forever and to come through the cross. Yeah. So there's, there's a taking on of human sins to be cleansed. And through this moment, we know the Father is there. We know the Holy Spirit is there. And Jesus, the Son of God, is there. And it's a beautiful moment. Now, a lot of people take uh, baptism too lightly. Sometimes they think, okay, this is maybe not much of a thing, right? But when we're, they do it just to, hey, I want to get my kid done is actually something I've heard before. I want to get my kid done. Wait, you want me to throw him in the water? Are you going to bring him to church? Are you going to train him up in the way? Are you going to, are you going to teach him the word and raise him as a Christian? Are you going to make sure that he's surrounded by not just you, but a community of people? Because at some point, they ain't going to listen to you, mom. They ain't going to listen to you, dad. They're going to need some other guy like Drew to be around when they're having trouble that they can listen to or talk to. So... It's, it's one of those things. You can't just get your kid done, right? You can't just dunk somebody and call it a day. You actually have to consider, okay, I am going to be raised and moved on in this way. And when we see that forgiveness of sins for the first time, we see this miraculous thing. What it is, uh, you know, yeah, it's the coming out of a, as a Christian. Uh, it is the physical cleansing, uh, the introduction to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, it's many different things that works in your life through that process. And we need to consider what happens then is for the life and benefit of the world, that flow, right? Uh-huh. And that can actually set your life going forward. Now, anybody can accept forgiveness from here to the moment they die. Right at, at the hand of Jesus, there was a man who accepted the gift of eternal life, right? Yeah, on the cross, there, there, there was a guy being hung, with, hung next to him. Right. And, and, you know, he said, truly, you'll be in paradise with me. Now, let's think about that. Would that guy have ever been there if he was baptized? It's a lot less likely, isn't it? Because if he's got the introduction of the Holy Spirit into his heart and directing and moving him, he may live in a completely different way. It's a consideration to make, definitely. Well, and I, I want to add, on the other hand, I've known people who, you know, are would call themselves Christians, go to church regularly, but still haven't been baptized for some reason, like they're waiting for something. Yeah, like they're not quite ready yet. What's going to make me ready to say this is it? Yeah, because every time that we see baptism happen in, the, in uh, especially the New Testament, there's always a sense of immediacy with it. But, um, especially in Mark, whose language is always immediately this happened, and then this happened, and then totally this happened right now. Or this happened immediately afterwards. Mm-hmm. But you've also got uh, the, the people that get saved on Pentecost when uh, Peter's during Peter's sermon. And it, it says they the, the church, the new, new newborn church, which would have been about 120 people-ish initially, baptized 3,000 people that day, just immediately afterwards. Or you've got the, the eunuch in Acts as well, who's... Uh, on his way and they stop by some water and like, you know, this water, why shouldn't I be baptized? There's always this sense of you've been saved. Do it now. What's stopping me, right? What's holding you back? It's kind of like these people, no no fault to their own, but it's like they're, 
trying to keep one foot in, one foot in the water and one foot out. Like, maybe I want to do this, but what if there's something that comes along that I want to yeah. go do? Yeah, that's kind of a crazy thing. You know, as a, as a pastor in a Methodist church, I, I actually learned some of the history of uh, how Methodism got across America. And one of the funny things that we had, and I know this is a, a lot of jokes for us, because some people have arguments about how baptism works, what's good and what's not. Do you have to be dunked in the river? Do you, do you have sprinkle? to go all the way, way under? Do you sprinkle? Do you do you do what? And, and, you know, people will fight about those little things along the way. But let me just tell you, there was such an abandon in the Old West is when the pastors would uh, run these, they call them circuit riders. They would go and they would have 15 or 20 churches they would run town to town on. And, and to preach and teach as often as they could. And there would be often masses of people who wanted to be baptized, but they didn't have a, a great water supply. So Methodists would, in fact, do this wonderful thing. I think it's uh, quite funny. Uh, is they would actually get a bucket full of water and have a bunch of people stand together and say, by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and throw the bucket of water <laughs> over the top of them. <laughs> Just throw a bucket of water over them. Okay. And... And to be fair, even in my church, that if I did such a thing, they would probably run me out on a rail because we are Methodist and we have our particular ways about things. However, <laughs> when you consider yeah, how it used have to a be method. done, Methodists have a method. Yes, there is a method, right? But so the I'm method, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, the method has more to do with small group Bible studies, how we gather as a large church. But, you know, considering the method used to be find whatever water you have available and throw it at people, <laughs> it's quite fun. <laughs> so um, this is definitely a consideration to make when we start thinking about that. Let's kind of look at the overview of the rest of Mark. Um, we're going to get kind of in a, in a quick jump through, and then we're going to talk about these little things point by point. Uh, we're going to have maybe a shorter discussion on these points. But okay. when Jesus is baptized... And this is a quick book. It's just always everything is immediate. It's quick. It's fast. It's do this, do this, and do the other, right? So there's very little to be said there. Uh, the baptism happens. Then Satan tempts Jesus. The Holy Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was tempted for 40 days. Uh, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. And then after that, he preached in Galilee. He met his first disciples, four fishermen that follow him. Uh, he ends up going out to teach with great authority. Uh, he does healings, uh, preaches again. There's that, that process of preaching, or healing, preaching, healing, preaching. He shows a sign, and then there's the education that happens after that. Let's take just a minute to, uh, to go through his first preaching here. After John was in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and be, believe the good news. And then we pick up in verses 16 through 19. Drew, if you could read that for me. 16 through 19, okay. Yeah. Um, passing along the, uh, the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you uh, fishers of men. And immediately, immediately, there's that word again, they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired servants and followed him. <laughs> and his dad was like, wait, <laughs> we've got stuff to do. He's like, where, where are you guys going? Well, actually, in all seriousness, you've got Jesus who has authority 
And in this culture, it would have been an honor to be a disciple of a traveling rabbi. Yeah. So, so, so probably didn't sound like, I don't care, Dad. I'm hanging out with Jesus today. Yeah, because these are these are grown men. <laughs> these are grown. Men, these aren't right? these aren't like you know, twelve, twelve, thirteen year old guys. Well, John was pretty young. We know. I mean, John was pretty young. Yeah, but yeah, he lived quite an age after that. Yeah, and then after that, Jesus teaches with great authority. It's the next section if you're reading through the NIV. Uh, they went into Capernaum, a Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. People were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Just as a man in their synagogue who was possessed by, uh, just then, a man who was possessed by evil, or an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, Holy One of God. And Jesus said, Be quiet, he said sternly. Really, it's, Shut up. <laughs> Shut up and get out. Right. Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out with a shriek. People were also amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with a new authority? He even gave orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Believe me, that would make you famous today as it would then. Do you want to read... Uh, Verses 29 through 34. Yeah, and afterwards, and immediately he, that being Jesus, left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand to lift her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or were oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons. And he will he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. Yeah, that's interesting. Why? Why? Well, let me just tell you, when I was a kid, uh, there was always that one guy in school, the one guy you didn't want to mess with, right? Yeah, you knew who that was. You're like. Okay, dude got here. I'm going to shrink over into the walls. I remember in middle school, there was a dude like that, and he was just loud, and he was raucous, and you just didn't want to be around the guy just in case this was his moment to snap. And you're like, he's around? Shrink into the background, right? And I think there's something to that. When when the demons see him, they know that, hey, he's not going to put up with their presence. He's not going to put up with the filth and the evil that come out of him. And they know, and they shrink away from him. But there is this thing that happens throughout all the Gospels where people are not quite ready to know. And Jesus says, hey, shh, keep it quiet. You don't, you're not really ready to know yet. People aren't really going to get it yet. Yeah. And this but seems kind of counterintuitive because you're like, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. Wouldn't he want people to know that? Right. But in the meantime, we're trying to shout and yell it and whatever else along the way, right? It's such a strange thing and it's hard for us to comprehend. But... I think there's there's often something to that. If you try to shove something down someone's throat, they aren't going to want it. I got to give I got a great case in point here. Uh, the other day, and you know, my son Elliot, he's uh, he's ten years old, and sometimes ten year olds just don't want what's good for them. They don't want the good stuff, even if because it's just something we're offering. Now he had his tonsils out back in October, so we bought some sherbet for him, and strangely, it just sat in the freezer, and I'm like. 
I don't think he gets it. That stuff is good, right? Something like if it were ice cream, if it were Rocky Road, it would have been gone in a second because he knows chocolate and he knows fudge and all the good stuff that's in there, right? Yeah, let's have it. But Rainbow Sherbert, that's that was like outside of uh, the norm for him, so he didn't want anything to do with it. So the other day I was I was getting hungry and I'm snacking and I, I'd done a lot of lifting and I was like, you know what? I need some sugar in my life. <laughs> so I cracked open the, the freezer and I pulled this thing out, ripped off the top, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. And I took off a scoop. I'm going to like, Ellie, I know you haven't ever had sherbet before, but let's try this, right? Got him out of scoop. And he's like, uh-uh. Didn't want anything. To, I don't want it, Dad. Like, dude, it's like ice cream. And he's like, no. Dude, it's like fruit-flavored ice cream. Come on. Right. And he didn't want anything to do with it, right? And uh, I gave him a bite. And he was like, oh, it's awful. And then I realized that I gave him the lemon and orange part, the sherbet. <laughs> <laughs> should have just given him the orange. You should have just gave him the orange. Exactly. Yeah. So at, the, at that point, I basically, I had to go back and I had to scoop out some of the orange. And I'm like, try this. And he's like, oh, not that. <laughs> you, you fooled me the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Fool me once, shame on shame on you. Fool right. me twice, <laughs> right? Exactly, shame on me. So this is kind of the point. I mean, you know, there's there's that difference of what do we do? Are we street corner evangelists that yell and scream at everybody and tell them why they're going to burn in hell, or do we give them a little something and say, hey, there's something more here. There's something better. It seems what Jesus does a lot. He- he does a sign, does a wonder, does something. Right. People are like, whoa, what was that? And then he's like, cool, now you're here. Let me teach you some stuff. Right, exactly. Now that you're listening, <laughs> this is what we've got for you. And that's that's a lot of what we're running into along the way. So let's, let's go and jump into the next part. Uh, we're verses 35 through 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and they found him, and they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. So Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. This is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Doesn't even answer their question. Just goes, hey, okay, we're going somewhere else now, guys. Yeah. But see, there's also that thing that he does that other people refuse to do, which is get out and get separate. Um, you know, in this last year, it's been quite interesting. I've actually had a couple of occasions to do just that. I stopped and I thought, you know, because I was hearing a lot of people saying, oh, I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But what they meant is like, really what I want to do is hang out and drink coffee and wait around in the cracker box till people show up. Right. But the thing is, we actually have to go out and do the actual things that Jesus did. Let's do an inventory first. What did he do? Well, he got baptized. He got baptized. He uh, spent time in prayer. Spent time in prayer. He went out and did miracles. Hmm, that's a tough one to do, but okay. That's a tough one. He, he, yeah, he also taught. He taught. He was kind and loving, and he yeah. shared all these things, right? But he also did isolation. Yeah, he, he uh, not not isolation, solitude. There's a difference. Isolation yeah. is you've got nobody, whereas solitude is I'm disconnecting for a bit. I like that, Drew. There's that, that difference there. Well, because I've dealt with depression, and I can tell you there's a difference between isolation, where you feel like you've got nobody. And then solitude. Yeah. Isolation is depressing. Solitude is oddly helpful. Yeah. And see, last year, Drew and I uh, just took a, a road trip out of the middle of nowhere, went down to Tennessee, and 
hung out in what what mountains were we in the Cherokee Mountains, I think. Yeah, yeah. it was from the Trail of Tears, and that was kind of depressing for history reasons. But yeah, but we got a chance to go climb up, literally on top of a mountain, and pray, and pray, spend some alone time with God. Yeah, we actually went to opposite sides of this mountaintop. Yeah, and uh, you remember what I read that day? I I don't remember off the top top of my head. I was uh, reading out of a Sunday Missal that I found. Uh, that that is not an intercontinental ballistic intercontinental ballistic thing. It is actually a Sunday prayer book. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that thing. I was like, what the is missile. this book? I, I, I noticed it while we were driving. I'm like, it's M I S S A L. Oh, okay. It's a missile, not a missile. Not a missile. Not a missile. <laughs> so we went up there, and I um, I just opened it up, and the first thing was there was about the Mount of Transfiguration, where Peter, James, and John climbed up a mountain. With, with Jesus, and they saw him transfigured. And it was, a, it was kind of a strange moment there. So odd things happened for me on that moment. But later in that year, uh, later in 2016, I got to go to Iceland, and uh, I experienced a similar thing, but even more profound and even louder yet. So when we do, when we say we're going to do the things that Jesus did, we have to consider what does that actually mean? So that's kind of a, a big thing. He actually took his time away to be alone. Uh, and there's that different. Isolation is all alone, nobody to help you. Solitude is just time with you and God. Which and, we need. Which we need. And so he would, he didn't just go try to give them something he wasn't able to do. You can't give something that you haven't been given. So he spent his time with, with his Father and the Holy Spirit before he went out and shared with other people in the towns nearby. To use a metaphor... Many of us that desire these things, we, we've, uh, we're a clean glass. God's made us clean, but we don't spend time with him. So there's, there's, there's nothing to pour out to anybody else. Yeah. The, you're, you're a clean glass, but you're not full. Exactly. And I, and I love that metaphor. It's, it's a beautiful thing to understand. And, you know, left long enough, that clean glass just automatically becomes dirty anyways. But with constant use and constant filling of water, it stays clean. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And that, that overflow comes out of it. Um, Drew, could you do me the favor of reading uh, verses 40 through 45? Okay. So, and a leper came to him. That's, yeah, anyway. A leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the, le- the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing, what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and it spread the news that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming from him from every quarter. So this leads me to a question. As Christians, should we use reverse psychology? (laughs) Well, I mean, Jesus... uh, Jesus also says elsewhere in scripture that he didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. So it makes sense that this leper is now cleaned. He needs to go follow the Levitical law to go show yourself to the priest and then offer your burnt offerings for for that. Yeah, and and it does allude back to Leviticus 13 and 14 um, for what happens when someone has leprosy. Which Which could be actual leprosy or just any skin disease. Yeah. They're used interchangeably in the Bible. Yeah, it's it wasn't uh, quite a technical thing as what we'd expect. Uh, yeah. I want to give you a clue here before we go any further. The Bible is a storybook filled with 
many different things, but what it is not is a science textbook. Uh, we do believe in science as Christians. It's very important. Uh, it helps us. Believe me, we are using science to record this podcast now. And it's awesome. Thank, we, you God, thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, for that. But what we are also looking at is that we're looking at what kind of words are they using. They're using a skin disease to discuss it. You know, when I was a child, uh, I was born in Panama, and my mom actually served at a leper colony. Um, so once a month, they would go and they would do birthdays for people, bring cake and all the other good stuff. Uh, so there was some interaction with it there, and she always told me a little bit about it here and a little bit about it there, but... In the last several years uh, traveling to South Asia, I've actually seen leprosy directly. I, I've seen what it does to people. And we are talking about two different things here. We're talking about this parallel thing, right? The cleansing of the body and the cleansing of the spirit. These things, they're not always mutually exclusive, but man, do they go hand in hand so well. Yeah. With, with what we've looked at, I've, I've laid hands on lepers and prayed for them. People that have uh, what we would consider legit technical leprosy. Like, yeah, skin disease, infectious le- leprosy. Yeah, watch out yeah. for that stuff. It is a scary, scary thing. And it's, it's heartbreaking to see. But what I've also seen is, is full-on healings and things that I couldn't explain. So when we're left to do the things that Jesus does, we are left to do solitude, prayer, understanding of scripture, whether it comes by hearing or reading or both, please do both. Please. Please. Do both. That's why we're here. But it also comes in the gatherings. We see those through what he's doing, but we also see it in the the miracles and the healings. Mm -hmm. So how are you supposed to do that, Drew? I can't do miracles myself. No. How could I? But... As as Christ followers, we believe that we have the Holy Spirit with us. Yeah. And you spend time with God. You're doing things with God. You're thinking, uh, not necessarily like Him, but you know, s- similar similar heart attitude. Yeah. And He'll al- allow those things to happen. Yeah. Should, should the well, basically whenever he, he decides. But usually, if you're walking in step with the Spirit, things happen. Yeah. So, and, and that's one of those things. Uh, I remember my mom always used to say, we didn't raise you like that. I'm like, well, here I am. Obviously you did. And as much as I like to tease her about that, there is something about a family, right? And what it comes down to is this. Uh, I, I heard a pastor at uh, Promise Keepers, that'll give you an age on this thing, about 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, I, I've only heard uh, Promise Keepers through whispers and stories of old dudes. That's true. <laughs> and I am one of those old dudes. Yeah, so, old, relatively speaking. Uh, there was uh, a man who actually really explained it in the best way I could possibly understand it. And he explained both the physical and the spiritual healings. He said, all that we can ever understand of a miracle is a child holding a broken toy up to his parents and saying, I can't fix this, but you can. And I think that's a, a great place to leave this, uh, this particular podcast on the way today. Um, please stay in tune and sign up for our other podcast called The Other Way, <laughs> where we talk about more of the reactionary things and, and the what to do about it. So l- let's take a quick glance over this today. We actually had... Um, one of the cool things that I like about this is it's 
and immediately and immediately and immediately. But there's so much that's packed into just one chapter. Yeah. One chapter. Yeah, here. that was one chapter of the Bible, guys. One chapter. You got through it today. For, for, 45 verses. 45 verses, and it only took you an hour or less. So with uh, what we're looking at here, one of the cool things that I've, I've loved about this particular chapter is it reminded me of something from my childhood. Do you all know what a herald is? Do you know what a herald is, Drew? You mean like a guy who tells things? Yeah, he's like... A, a herald, the guy who has a messenger. Okay, yeah, the, the uh, messenger. The messenger, yeah. Right, so think of... I think of the silver surfer is the herald of... Galactus. Galactus, yes. So for all our nerdy friends, and yes, I am a severe geek. Uh, I, I, relu- I reluctantly admitted that, but yeah, it's Galactus. Galactus is... Right. So he comes in and he's like, hey, Galactus is coming. Your world's going to be eaten, he's, right? He's going to eat. He's going to eat you guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was a terrible, terrible thing. And But that's kind of what uh, what we're looking at is someone saying, hey, the king is coming. The king is coming, right? In this case, John the, ba- the baptizer. John the baptizer. Not, jo- not John the thing. disciple. There's two Johns that will show up in the Gospels. And maybe, maybe you're not a, a Marvel guy and you don't know the terrible history of uh, ridiculous movies and comic books, but maybe you saw the movie 300. Ah, there's a moment. And when I say 300, someone thinks, this is Sparta. And the guy who came through to that village and said, hey, um, bow down, the king is coming. You know, you're going to submit to him or, or else. That guy was a herald. And of course, well, again, well, an evil herald. Why, why do we keep having heralds that bring bad news? I don't know. I don't know. But that was kind of the way of things because kings weren't always... All right. Put, put another way. Uh, let, let, let's go with the, a, fa- a fancy musical number in Disney. So in Aladdin, after he wishes to be a prince, again, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Aladdin, if you haven't, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good movie. Check it out. Uh, you, you've got uh, Aladdin who's wished to be a prince and you've got Genie going through like doing a whole parade, basically being his herald. Like, here, here, here comes this, this important guy. Yeah, exactly it. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of and, bad And examples. if you have Prince Ali, Ali Abara stuck in your head, I am, so, I am so sorry, but Robin Williams, I'm not really going to... Hashtag sorry, not sorry. <laughs> it's Robin Williams, man. Absolutely. So, I mean, it was, a, it was a good thing that you had going there, right? So a lot of times the princes were terrible things and the kings, they would come through and just do whatever they wanted. It was kind of a rough moment. But here we actually have good news coming. We actually have Jesus Christ coming to forgive sins. And people knew about their sins. They knew what they were doing. And just as that today, people know what their sins yeah. are. And this is a, a way to say, hey, the good news is the sin that's wrecking the world right now the sin that's coming from you and other people can be corrected, can be reversed, and we can live like we were meant to live originally. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. And th- this culture would have been raised on promises of the Messiah. I mean, not, not only are they hearing about it when, when they go to temple, but you're also under Roman rule, who most of the Jews really didn't care for. Yeah. They're, they were being oppressed by, by the Romans. Right. So there's there's a lot of great things that are coming through this. So there's good news. Your Savior is coming. He's Your Savior is coming. Your Savior is the, here. The Messiah is here. And this this is great. And we actually see not just people being physically washed, but being cleansed of illnesses. We see people being cleansed of psychological and spiritual issues. Yeah, so there's a lot of washing in in this first chapter. Oh yeah, there's a B- lot both of both physically washing. and spiritually. Physically and spiritually, absolutely. And I love that particular piece. Well, we we look at the the problems that come because when you hit a high, you're going to hit a low, and 
And, you know, Satan tempted Jesus yeah, there. Yeah, you see that immediately after this awesome, amazing high, he's led in the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. Right. He finds followers, right? And what do, you, what do those found people do? Well, they're supposed to find people. Uh, that's what the bumper sticker says, and I still believe it. <laughs> Mostly, I, I get to things that are turned into bumper stickers, and I, I abhor them. But I actually like this one. Find people... Or found people find people. I believe that's yeah, true. Yeah, you, you immediately see that. Like word spreads like a wildfire. Uh, he, he he tells us he tells that leper at the end of the end of the book. Hey, go 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 take care of your offering with the priest like you're supposed to. Yeah, but can you keep this quiet? He doesn't because dude just been healed. A, a leper who's been separated from his family, from his community, from even a respectable career because he's got a disease that no one else wants to catch. Right. Exactly. So they kind of put him out on the outskirts of town, or if not even further than that, he's now been healed. He can't but share the, this good thing that's happened to him. Right. He gets to go home, hang out with his family. You know, you got to think you've gone... I mean, as much as some of us don't like our family, <laughs> imagine forced separation from them that you couldn't control. Yeah, and it's a rough thing. I, you know, I can imagine. Uh, you know, I, I broke my finger a couple couple months ago. And it still doesn't quite feel right. And if someone came up, prayed for it, and it just it set itself straight, man, oh, man, I'd tell everybody you couldn't keep my mouth shut. Some of y'all worried about the cell phone you got, and you can't keep your mouth shut about your new uh, new iPhone or your new Android, and you're like, hey, I got the Samsung 27. Spo- spoiler, there'll be a new one in like three months. Right, exactly. So when it comes down... If that long. <laughs> if that long. So when it comes down to it, when something good happens, you have actual good news. You can't help but share it. Exactly. Let's end it. I never go finishing each other's sentences. (laughs) That's what we do. (laughs) Not really. I talk over you a lot. (laughs) That's okay, too. That's okay. Well, let's uh, end in a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, we just thank you for the good news of your son, Jesus Christ, who has come uh, to set things right again. And I am so thankful beyond thankful for it. And I, I don't show it or say it enough. But it's my hope that not only I will get more out of my life with you, Uh, through what we're doing here today, but also other people would be on that same path with us as well. Father, I thank you for the wonderful things you've already done, and I wait in great patience, and and I can't wait to see what you're doing next. I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that convicts us and helps us move closer to you, knowing that your way is right and our way is not, and that when we follow you, life goes better. So we can live, not only have heaven here and now, we can have that great deposit of it here and now, but we're going to have it fully and eternally with you at the end of this life. Father, we thank you for all these wonderful things and more. Thank you for your grace, your patience, your peace, and your love, and all that you do. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening to The Word, and we'll talk to you soon.